peace. Welcome to another episode of Bootstraps. I'm your host, Anefriesian. If you're new to the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. And if you're on Instagram, go on over and give us a follow at Bootstraps Podcast. So I'm really excited to get this week's episode out into the world. And to give some context to it, this is my first lawyer that I'm having on the show. And oftentimes we don't think about lawyers in the context of business, except being kind of an an impediment or the worst part of the process. But if you think about the legal profession that way, I think you're definitely missing out. Because if you pull back and you look at business, it's about creating value and capturing value. And you can't do the capture value piece properly without a good legal partner. And the brother I get to sit down and talk with today is one of the best business minds I've ever talked to over my 20 plus year career. He has been able to do amazing work in Silicon Valley. Um, he's been in the room, some of the some of the biggest proverbial rooms that there are out there. Um, and I'm not going to give away too much of his story. I'm going to let you go ahead and listen to it. But you could imagine being a fly on the wall or being a part of the, the legal team that's making deals happen in Silicon Valley since the late 90s. He's seen a few things. But in addition to what he's done professionally, I think it's his character and his work ethic and his grind that I'm the most inspired by. You know, born to humble means, he really committed to doing the work and not really having his world defined by what others thought of him. He more so thought about what it was that he wanted out of this life, what it took to go from his present situation to his envisioned goal. And then he started doing that work, whether it was in BMX bike racing, whether it was in moving out to California to go to undergrad, or whether it was moving back to the East Coast to go to law school. If he wanted it, he thought about the work that needed to be done to get there, and then he went after it. Hopefully you guys enjoy this really inspiring conversation. Let's get into it. Peace. Welcome to another episode of Bootstraps. Brother, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and let everybody know what you do. Hey, uh, my name is David Campbell. I am a a proud uh, husband and proud father of four kids. Um, My day job is working as a corporate securities attorney uh, in Northern California and uh, looking forward to uh, taking part in your podcast today. I'm a big fan. (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, I'm uh, really happy and honored that uh, you come and and hop on here. So it sounds like you have two big jobs. So, you know, the the first of which, you know, being a a husband and and father of four. And uh, what is is that like for you? Uh, Well, um, of the two jobs I have, being a husband and a father is the best job I have ever had. And I use job in air quotes. Um, that I've ever had. Uh, I've never been happier in my entire life. And, you know, just to, you know, 
be a part of a unit that is so strong and so loving and, you know, it's, it's, it's my team, you know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I, I follow my wife's lead. She's amazing. My wife, Pam. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. It's really just amazing to, to, to see, you know, how our family has grown, how our kids have grown, how my wife and my relationship has grown. Um, you know, especially like, you know, with this shelter in place, when you're spending a lot more time with everybody and right. I can't think of, you know, uh, five other people I'd rather be sheltered in place with because we're all like best friends and love each other. And, you know, yeah, it's, it, it, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's priceless. priceless. That's, that's perfect, man. And, and for, for me, I mean, you know, I'm always the one asking questions and I try and like interject, you know, kind of my point of view to kind of play off of, you know, my guests, mm-hmm. but you know, one question I always ask, and I'm definitely going to ask you later, is uh, what's your definition of success? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, you know, healthy relationships. Because, yeah. you know, out of the tragedy of my 20s, um, I came to realize something really young, mm-hmm. which is the meaning of life is relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know when, when it's all said and done, you're not going to want, you know, one more accolade at work. You're not going to want one more um, car. Like yep. you're going to want one more day. Yeah, with the people you care about most. And so, I think that for me, having really healthy, strong relationships at the top of which is family is the most important thing in life. And it seems like you have that. Oh, I do. I, I mean, I really, really do. Um, I, um, well, I mean, I, like I value our relationship. I mean, yeah. you know, we've known each other and, and, and I always look forward to our conversations and, 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 and learning about what you're doing and, and, and your successes. And, you know, and, and you mentioned tragedy of your twenties. We have to talk about that a little bit. I know I'm not supposed to be the one asking questions, but, <laughs> but I was like, what, what? I leaned in. I was like, what is he talking about? Um, you know? But, yeah. But well, we can... well, a part of, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll share. I mean, a part of my, you know, my journey and where bootstraps really comes from is the short version is this, you know, my grandmother was born in 1925 in Rural Arkansas. When I say rural, I mean they had, they lived in a shack. They oh, had wow. no electricity, no running water. There was they it wasn't a city. There were no paved roads. Like mm-hmm. it was barely the modern era in terms of from a technology standpoint. Yeah. My mom was born, you know, twenty three years later in nineteen forty eight, mm-hmm. and then they moved to South L.A. Um, okay. That's where I was. That's where I was raised, and gave me like a, a work ethic and a grind. But yeah. you, you fast forward, and you know, my, I lose my grandmother at 24 Ugh. when I'm 24, um, and then yeah. I lose. You know, she had a relatively, you know, uh, long life. She lived. She was until she was 76. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I lose my mom, who did not have a relatively long life. I lose her when she's. 30. So from 24 to 30, and there were several other passings in between, but like Mm -hmm. that foundational generation uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of oriented me in this world, um, you know, they all pass away. Uh, 
Wow. And so, but the 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 lemonade that came from that was uh, I came to understand the importance of relationships. Mm-hmm. Like in this really fundamental, I wasn't looking for a, a silver lining. It just kind of hit me and it, it made me move, you know, in, in a different way through this world. And I prioritized, um, I've always been an extrovert, but then I prioritize very particular relationships, you know, like the mm-hmm. ones that are most important to me. It's like, Hey, yeah, there's this really cool frivolous thing that's happening right now, but there's this other thing, like having a really laid back barbecue with my brothers. Yeah. I'm going to make sure I prioritize that over going to this, frivolous thing with people who are cool but aren't as meaningful to my life mm-hmm. and so this kind of moved accordingly ever since and so that's that's uh that's the story behind that so, wow well that's, yeah. that's, that's profound right and 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 i know that 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 your mom and grandma are looking down on you and are proud just proud just smiling yeah. Because ah. um you know they 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 they, they launched you on an amazing trajectory yeah, they were um, they were they were special women. So um, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. My mom, grandmother, grandfather. You know that that was my initial um, family unit, and um, my 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 biological father kind of bugged out really early. So it was just the four of us, um, and that same type of like you know I can hear that that when you talk about your mom and your grandmother that that love that's truly like you know it sounds cliche but it's the wind beneath your wings right Absolutely. right and 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 you know given how your grandmother grew up and not having a lot of physical possessions she passed on to you and your mom the most important thing and that's love and support and like i don't know her i know you but i'm sure i can tell a lot about your mom and your grandmother from knowing you and yeah. and 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 that's amazing because like if people want to really know who i am and they're like oh you're this you're that like look at my mom my grandmother and my grandfather yeah and and, and you will see like oh well you treat people a certain way guess why because my grandmother my mom my grandfather treated other people and me a certain way that came from a place of love and respect and do unto others as you'd want them to do unto you. And, and it's just like, you, you, you know, one of those things, if you want to know kind of where you're going, sometimes you look at your history and not that it's say it's predetermined, yep. but, but it, it's, it's super powerful. And yeah, the relationships, I mean, it's all about relationships, personal, you know, business, it all comes down to, you know, the, the relationships that you have. That's, that depends on, you know, that's how you decide if you're, if, you know, that's how, how happiness, you know, yeah. for, for me is defined, right? I mean, like Absolutely. you said, it's not going to, they, they never put on anyone's tombstone like how many cars they had. I don't, I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen anybody's net worth, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, Jeff Bezos's tombstone one day, is probably going to be, you know, I, I'm assuming he has kids, but, you know, it's going to be about how he treated people and his relationships with people. I mean, that's what's on tombstones. Absolutely. Yeah. That is what matters. And the thing that you, you, know, you, you, you use this phrase, like wind beneath my wings. And I think that's, I think that's completely accurate. The reason why I was always so comfortable 
going out and trying really big things mm-hmm. um, from from a young age. Like I was comfortable going outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. It was because I had such strong relationships back home. Like I felt that's where my that's where my value lived, even mm-hmm. though I, I didn't fully understand it consciously um, mm-hmm. when I became an adult and became to understand more about human psychology i was like oh that's why i was capable of going into these rooms and spaces that were really unfamiliar to my family or my neighborhood to Mm -hmm. be quite honest yeah and i can just go try things and because i knew if things did not work out Mm -hmm. like that wasn't where my self-worth lived my self-worth was in those relationships back within the home yeah and so um it allowed me to go, yeah, just go try stuff. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to pick up baseball. And then I'm in junior high school. Yeah, I'm going to go try this speech and debate thing. And, yeah. You know, that, I mean, shoot, I remember it wasn't even junior high because LA Unified went K through six mm-hmm. when I was a kid. So in sixth grade, my first public speech was in a room, <laughs> was in a room full of 2,000 people. It was this LA oh, Unified. Wow. Go bigger, go like, home. Like district wide, like Black History, uh, Black History Month, like speech competition, mm-hmm. and I end up on this stage. I'm damn near terrified before I go up, and then <laughs> I just remind myself. I was like, "What's the worst thing that can happen?" So then yeah. I get up on stage and uh, I give my speech, which you know was kind of it's what you'd expect from a sixth grade speech. Yeah, you know, it wasn't. It was. It was wasn't even close to something that would go viral. Mm -hmm. Um, But it completely (laughs) annihilated my fear of speaking in public. Yeah. And afterwards, I became a pretty good speaker. And I went on and won all these awards and Mm -hmm. debates and blah, 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 blah. But that whole win beneath your wing, I think it comes from having, you know, these really strong relationships. And so knowing your story and we're going to try and, you know, get this this story out in this conversation today so other people can learn from it. You know, looking at your your day job, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you being a corporate securities lawyer, I'm I'm certain your relationships have had a big part in being the wind beneath your wings, allowing you to go out and do what you do. So why don't you give us a little taste of what your what your day job entails? Yeah, sure. So um, I assist companies in you know, reaching their goals. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, my job is around, you know, working with companies, both all the way, you know, companies, founders, venture funds, but, you know, the, the work that I love the, the, the most is, is working with the founders to kind of, you know, get them uh, an organization, a corporate vehicle that works for them. It's usually, you know, uh, you know, use a Delaware C corporation and yeah. uh, especially if they're looking to, you know, raise venture capital or take investment in. And since I'm in Silicon Valley, that's usually what most people are, are looking to do um, and and help them through that process, you know, from cradle, meaning like the the ember of an idea and then working with them on their capital structure and, you know, their initial contracts package, NDAs and consulting agreements, all the things that, you know, can trip you up later on if you don't do things right because you don't get your IP straightened, your intellectual property straightened out right. all the way through to, you know, financings, commercial contracts, um, 
and and then you know kind of condensing it all in and you know later on an exit um you know i started my career um doing um you know big mergers and acquisitions so i started my career on the exit side you know also yeah, right. doing a lot of um uh, initial public offerings and follow-on offerings, you know, in my, my, my first job uh, way back in the day in, 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 in 96, you know, before, <laughs> before, before the first bubble, I've been around for a while. It's and, crazy uh, that 96 is way back in the day. I know. It could continue on. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so it was interesting when you start kind of seeing the exits, you kind of understand, and also in there's like financings as well, Right. Where, you know, investors are investing in companies looking to get to those exits at some point. Um, What's 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 you know, so I I, once once you've seen kind of that 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 process, you can help people very well along the way. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's super rewarding. Um, You know, I get to really, you know, I, 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 I feel like I'm a business person with a legal degree. And so right. I try to be a sounding board and, and give advice just beyond, well, yeah, you can do this or you can't do that, or this is what the law says. Um, I mean, that, that's somewhat pre-wrote. So what I like to try to do is, you know, I consider myself entrepreneurial. And so I try to help people kind of, you know, kick and, kick and prod some of their, you know, um, you know, their, their ideas and their, and their assumptions about things. You know, if I get a commercial contract, and, you know, I look at the pricing and I'm like, hmm, like, what have you thought about this? Like, what, 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 what incentives are you setting up? Is this going to drive churn or right, you know, so right. on and so forth? So I enjoy those types of challenges. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's my, you know, that's my, that's my day job. It, it's, it's been fascinating. I've been a fly on the wall. A lot of things I've, I've gotten to see, um, you know, some, some amazing and work with some amazing uh, you know, people along the way, both, um, you know, the founders and the executives and the investors and my colleagues at, at the, at the law firm. So it's been fun. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. Worked on some really big deals. I worked on Apple next, you know, represented next, but, you know, I feel like I have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a, uh, a part of bringing Steve jobs and his team, you know, from next to Apple. So, oh, wow. so yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Can so you, can you fun. tell us more about that? I was sitting here thinking, I was like, Ooh, so you've been in Silicon Valley since like '96. Like, you have to have some like, uh, like name dropping stories. I know you can't get into the the juicy details of it because yeah. you're you're a lawyer. Yeah. Right? I mean, by definition, now all that stuff is confidential. But <laughs> so you you worked with so if I, if I remember this correctly, you know, Steve Jobs was with Apple. Then he left or got fired. Yeah, yeah went forced off. Out. Yeah, forced out. Apple started to go through its struggles at some point. He was off doing next which was supposed to be like you know the next big thing or if uh, yeah i remember the naming right and then he comes back to apple and turns apple into what it is now yeah so you were a part of like what role did you and your team play in helping bring steve jobs back to apple yeah so um, at the time i was working for a silicon valley firm uh, by the name of wilson sonsini at the i think they go by wilson sonsini now before it was wilson sonsini goodrich and rosati and, okay. uh, and and if you answered the phone or talked, you made to make sure that you said everybody's name because I think Mario Rosati got kind of upset a few times, more than once, 
when people like, didn't say the full name. Uh, right. But yeah, that's water under the bridge. I wasn't one of those people. I always use the full name. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but but yeah, we represented next. And um, you know, I was a junior attorney at the time. Um, I remember the team was you know fairly small. I mean that we that we were working on the deal, um, and it was it was just really cool because I had been a Steve Jobs fan you know, before I even got to Silicon Valley. I mean, I remember reading about him when he was on the cover of Time magazine once. This was before the um the black turtlenecks, right? You know, he'd be wearing <laughs> like you know. Um and 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 so you know to 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 be a part of that deal, I mean I mean the only way I can equate it is is if someone, you know, goes to Hollywood and then even tangentially gets to work on something with Scorsese, right? right. Or right. or Ron Howard, or you know, you just name the 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 Hollywood luminary. Like I was just like, this is amazing. You know, I remember yeah. you know the first time I went you know to the next offices uh, in in Redwood Shores, California, and I remember seeing Steve Jobs' office, and it was just like for me, it was like it was like holy ground. He wasn't in it at the time. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but I was like, this right. is amazing. This is amazing. And so, yeah. So what we did is we just, you know, we, we negotiated the, the deal and, you know, everything the lawyers do, you know, you, you know, you negotiate the, the documents and everything. Uh, it was, it was uh, pretty interesting. I think, you know, you know, you're getting, uh, you know, stockholder consents from Ross Perot. Um, you know, <laughs> wow. uh, you know, seeing Steve Jobs signature was all lowercase, the S and the J. Yeah, uh, that was that was pretty interesting. I still have the closing volumes. They were some really nice closing volumes. They're, they're like a burgundy, you know, um, uh, a burgundy leather binders. I mean, just like anything right. that, that Apple does. Right. Like I, my buddy at the firm just did a really nice job. And I believe, if I remember correctly, like Michael Arrington, uh, who founded TechCrunch, worked, wow. on, worked on the deal with, with me. Yeah, we were like we sat right next to each other. And Michael's gone on to great things, you know, even after TechCrunch, I believe he's got a venture fund that works in uh, that uh, deals in crypto and stuff. So it was just really cool. You know, um, I, I, I came to Silicon Valley um, because I just, you know, I, I, it, when I was at law, right before I went to law school, um, I had an Apple computer like right when i left i you know knew i could get the student discount right so right, right before right. i left i had started with an apple 2c which was you know kind of like this you know had a floppy disk you put in and, right. and then i remember i got like a 2e or something and this had like a color a color screen and, and stuff like that right. and i was a um uh, comp, uh no it wasn't it was a uh, CompuServe. yeah it was CompuServe. remember aol and CompuServe were, were the big um uh, you know, um, players back then. So I get to get to get to law school. I'm I'm, I'm back in New York, and uh, I was living in California for about seven years, um, and then got into law school. Went back uh, to NYU. That's a whole other story, right? Um, and and learned about the internet. You know, as somebody that I was remember, I was on a law journal, and. I was like, oh, I'm really loving this internet thing. Like, and I'm like, I'm like cruising around in ASCII text on a 14. And it was probably 9600 baud modem, you know. Right. And I'm like, this is this is really cool. And someone's <laughs> like, have you have you tried tried have you tried the um, 
the the mosaic browser no that was no, i'm sorry was the netscape browser yeah and, and and i was just like what's that and they're like oh yeah you go do this and you do this and you don't and then trust me you'll really like it and so i did it and then all of a sudden the internet was like colors and it wasn't ascii text anymore and yeah. my eyes got really big and i'm like this is changing the world <laughs> this is changing like instantly i was kind of like i mean i didn't know what i wanted to do in law school um like when i got out and once once i saw that browser and what i was able to do like i knew what i wanted to do in the law yeah and in business and, and everything else because I, I just saw it was going to be just an amazing thing i was instantly thinking about businesses and and I was writing like an online, like, you know, now I guess somebody would call it a blog. Right. And, and uh, it was just amazing. And so to be able to come like full circle from seeing all of that and, and having a dream of kind of working on that to all of a sudden, like working on that deal. Um, right. You know, and then I got to later on work with, um, with Netscape. We represented Netscape. I did a lot of, you know, their corporate work, uh, as a junior associate, you know, at my firm, uh, it was just, you know, it was fantastic. It was just, you know, it, it was, it was, it, it, it has been a fun ride and, you know, and a lot of people have gone on to do great things. You know, I said, when I was, uh, at Wilson, you know, a lot of people, uh, did some very, very, very cool things. Um, you know, <laughs> sat around the corner from David Drummond, who, you know, actually was the uh, attorney that like found, you know, set up Google, Wow. Um, early on and now is you know one of their their uh you know you know chief executives so you so. you have you have been in some big rooms there's so many questions that i can ask you from having been in those rooms because I, I just know how much one learns when mm -hmm. they get to when they get to even if you're just in the room in the most junior role but if you're in the room and, and doing tangible work you get to see how the work you do kind of ladders up to the big picture of the deal. Yeah. And you, you just learn mm -hmm. and benefit so much. But one, one question that I, I just have to get, get in is having been in Silicon Valley since 96 and having worked on these major deals with these like pillars of mm -hmm. Silicon Valley. And I mean, I don't know if there's anyone who's a bigger icon than Steve Jobs, you know, down yeah. in that space. Yeah. Um, Never met him though. Bummer. Yeah. Never met yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, which, yeah. You know, that, that, that might be a good thing. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes it's interesting when you meet your heroes and it's like, yeah, I've met, I've met a couple of minds and, and I was just like, oh man, really? But, <laughs> it's, oh, really? Like, it, no, it's just, I mean, it's just, some, it's an old cliche too. Like, it's, it's sometimes it's better to not actually get to like know or get too close to your heroes because, yeah. uh, you just get to see other sides of them, you know, and it's like, yeah. you know, who knows? And it's, it's tough being a celebrity and an icon. Like you could be having a bad day, but that's going to be that one person's one intimate experience with you. Right. And so then yeah. they're just going to remember you off of that, you know, 90 yeah, second that, interaction. Exactly. Like, but oh. some people like, you know, some people though, I got it like the one time, like I've not met a lot of celebrities, um, but the one time I met someone who exceeded my expectations was the former governor of New York, Mario Cuomo. Oh. Um, I got a chance to meet him and spend time with him multiple times because um, as a summer associate in New York City, I worked at a firm called Wilkie Farr and Gallagher. And after he served as governor, 
of New York. That was the firm that he became a partner at. Ah. And, and so, um, you know, I remember the first time, you know, getting to meet him, he was nothing but gracious, but, but one of the things you realize going back to our earlier conversation about relationships, relationships, the best ones are when both parties are listening to one another. Mm-hmm. Right. And what really struck me, and even to this day, was I'm like this little peon summer associate, right? I mean, there's no guarantee I'm even right. coming back as an attorney. I'm not even an attorney yet. I'm somebody who wants to be an attorney. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 walking down the hall one day and you know, walking by uh, you know, Governor Cuomo, everyone would call him governor, you know, and and saying, you know, and he walks up, looks me straight in the eye, and I'm walking by, just passing in the hall. And uh, he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, okay. And he stops me. And I'm like, uh-oh, what did I say? <laughs> you know? And he looks at me, and not in, a, not in a stern way, but he's like, come on. You know, he's like, look at this. You know, and we're, we're, we're looking, like, there, you know, you're looking out, we're on the 52nd floor of the Citibank building, I believe it was, right? <laughs> and so you can see for miles, right? right? And he's like, you're like, what, in your 20s? You know, you're making X amount of money more than, you know, most people, you know, most people. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Most, yeah. Right. And just as a summer, I don't know anything. Right. right. And he's like, you know, it's, you know, so you're, you're, it's really, you know, either you're doing, you know, you're, you're, you're not doing OK. Right. And like you should acknowledge that you're doing right. much better than OK. But what struck me was not so much what he said, but that he was listening. Right. To this peon you know you know just walking down the hall and he's like like, but you know a lot of people would be like okay and they'd be like oh have a great day he listened right and 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 the other interactions that i had with him you know he was one of those people i mean they didn't really talk about it now but he leaned in and you understand why he was successful as a as a as a as a politician because you know I, i felt he generally cared and uh, every yeah. one of my every one of my interactions like that was 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 the same, and um, and so it's just to kind of you know like you said it's like sometimes like when you meet your heroes or you meet yep. celebrities sometimes you will be disappointed because right, they're human but other times you'll be like oh I understand why this person is esteemed in the way that they are uh, yeah absolutely I mean I've had some I definitely have had more positive interactions with um you know big names who i've gotten to get up close and personal to mm-hmm. um for whatever reason than the negative interactions mm-hmm. i mean i think the biggest for me is not even business related you know growing up in la uh and still being an irrationally passionate diehard laker fan well, you know well, yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> to, to me, like, you know, Ma- Magic Johnson was the greatest of all times until LeBron dethroned him. Like, I think yeah. this whole, like, LeBron-Jordan debate is irrelevant to me because yeah. it's, it's like, Magic-LeBron. Like, those, those, are, those are the – Magic was the greatest ever, in, in my opinion, yeah. uh, until LeBron came about. But I got to meet Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. and he was, like, he was as advertised and, like, over-delivered. And, you know, he's – yeah. I remember, I just remember him being like the biggest human being because he he looked like a tall six nine, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like wow, you look really tall for six nine, you know. Yeah. But uh, super, just like 
energetic and engaging and charming mm-hmm. and you know brilliant and you know the biggest hands ever and he shook my hand and my you know my teenage i remember this you know i was at this point you know i met him i was 15 years old oh, okay i was definitely gonna ask how old were you yeah i was about 15 it's coming into my own and really really thought that i was tougher than i was but you know it's kind of that kind of inner city LA upbringing, like you walk around with a chip on your shoulders, and you and your boys think you're tough, and yeah, uh, you, you think you're ready to deal with conflict with grown men. And then I, I end up shaking this six nine giant's hand, and I just remember my hand feeling really, really small. <laughs> <laughs> I was have to crank my neck up to, like, you know, uh, say what's up. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. But yeah, yeah, so yeah, that I definitely have have some positive experiences. Um, but I think that's cool for you though to have to just expand upon like being in the room with all of these different people, including governor Cuomo and being able to have uh, those interactions. Um, yeah. Cause it also, I think it informs you. It sets, it, it sets a tangible example of how to be mm-hmm. as you move up and as you um, take bigger, more prominent leadership positions in organizations, having had access to, you know, these really powerful leaders um, yeah. who set a positive example while you yeah. were in the room. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it is because, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's one of the things that backfires with, with, with the, you know, people understanding how Steve Jobs was, yeah. you know, there was parts of Steve Jobs personality that I, I've never saw like firsthand. And this is all this yeah. reading all the books and everything that, that other people uh, have read and watching the movies and so and so forth where you know he didn't seem like he treated a lot of people very well and you know uh and and some people kind of take that well i want to be like steve jobs and like they take that aspect of it well, i'm just going to treat people like this or right, that. right and they see it as something of a strength and my whole thing is is that well you know let's say he treated people you know let's just um, first of all let's assume the things that we've heard where he did not treat people well are true right, right. <laughs> so right. let's start there right because like i said i have no firsthand knowledge but just think about how impactful someone could be if if their leadership skills were even better absolutely right you know some people succeed despite their personality right. quirks um and that's the way you, that you, they may you, treat you know people. you yeah that's a that's a it's a bug not a feature yeah. right it's like <laughs> you know you know that's not the reason why he's successful he's successful yeah. in spite of that yeah. yeah yeah i i think that that's a really huge huge distinction a lot of people want to copy the symptoms of it you know it's all yeah. these you know the, the total tangent is like everyone moved to these like open you know pod like open floor plan like office styles because silicon valley did it yeah. and you know it's like silicon valley is seen as this place is like super collaborative so because they're doing it at these small startups and even some of the bigger ones let's try and mimic them and it's yeah. like you need to understand the context yeah. right and there, there's a culture of data is supreme and facts matter yeah and so if you don't have that culture within your organization you're not going to just become collaborative because <laughs> take down the walls, <laughs> you took down the walls. What you're going to do is you're going to drive down productivity because everyone's distracted by yeah. all the no- either by all the noise around them or being able to mm-hmm. everyone just like walking up to their desk at any point in time. So, yeah. uh, 
we need to recognize like what's the root driver, what's what's a bug and what's a feature. And so mm-hmm. if you're trying to be Steve Jobs, you need to understand the features were his deep consumer empathy. Yeah. Right? Like he yeah. got people and what mm-hmm. they needed. Not what they said they wanted, but what they actually needed. Mm-hmm. And then he delivered against that. He was a, he was a this design thinking genius. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Who may or may exactly. not have. Let's just you know, for the point of sake of you know clarity in this conversation, that assuming all the things we've heard and they're captured in movies are true, and he didn't treat everyone well. Awesome. Yeah. Him not treating people well is not the reason why he became Steve Jobs. E- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's a simplistic. That's a, just a simplistic. You know. Uh, you know a view of of things and some people that that's what people like latch on you know um, uh, and those are the things that you know make for you know you know books that read like whoa and you know and and, and, and the the inflection points in movies and and stuff like that yeah Uh, yeah. you know like he did get fired from his own company (laughs) (laughs) you know know, not a lot of people get a second act so yeah, you know, you just kind of, you know, but you know, but but you you got to take people as 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 they are, right? With with all the all the warts and everything, but you know, he definitely, you know, you know, I mean, I know that that our lives, you know, you know, I'm 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 you know chatting to you right now from from the you know an iPhone, <laughs> and I, I, I'm I'm on an iPhone, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, and, and, and you know, way back in the day, I don't think people would have thought of phones as having the utility uh, that they do now. And the iPhone was the first time where you know you you I mean it's you know if you think about it, it's like you know back in the day. I don't know if you've seen those. Um, I, I guess it's a meme, but um, of or just a picture with all the things that the phone like replaces it's like a flashlight it's a compass it's a right. your boom box it's your you know it's like everything it's your wallet now right so it is it's pretty it is your entire life it's, yeah you know that's a whole other podcast i'm actually trying to <laughs> put less of my life in my phone but <laughs> literally it's like it's my alarm it is my boom box it's like everything that i do is like in my phone a buddy of mine has a new company actually hate that i'm forgetting the name of a buddy of mine syrup who's um uh up in portland mm. and oh, i'm so mad i'm forgetting the name of his new company but anyways what what their what their thrust is is figuring out how to use ai mm-hmm. to mine all of your personal data in your phone but to then to help you from a mental health perspective to mm. to recognize the correlations in your life in your that's powerful. Your, your health metrics, like when is your like? There's a correlation between. So, a nephew has this recurring. Here's a hypothetical that he told me. I remember he came down to visit. And we're walking around UC Berkeley's campus, and he's like, um, "A nephew has a recurring meeting like every Tuesday at 10 a.m. And these are the people that are in this meeting. And another thing we've noticed is just before this meeting." And Nefri's, uh heart rate ticks up a little bit mm-hmm. and it stays up in this meeting and then it comes down after. So it's like, there's, there's something in this meeting. Mm-hmm. And then they start looking, or who are the, who are the regular invitees to this meeting? And then it can go mine and see, well, how is the Nefri's heart rate in these other, when he has one-on-one meetings, 
with all the different individuals who are in it. It's like, and in that, in that scenario, that's, that's fascinating. if you yeah. could tease out like, Oh, it's this person, there's some anxiety or stress or contention that exists between the nephrine and this person, which causes his heart rate to go up. Then therefore, right, then it can have this like recommendation. I think that's one part amazing and also one part <laughs> creepy as hell. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I yeah. told my buddy, this is one of my best friends. I know that his intentions are nothing but the best. He's such an amazing giving soul. Um, but I was like, yeah, man, that's just like, that's just entirely too much personal information to have out there. But all of that <laughs> springs from this amazing device going back to Steve Jobs being a design thinking genius that he was able to produce. Um, but one, one question I, I have to get from you is yeah. how is Silicon Valley different now versus how was it 96 when you first got there? Because it has been on such an epic run. Like it came out booming. It had the, the, the bubble. bust, the bubble, the, bubble. the, the bubble, all over, bubble all over me. Right. A lot of bubble. Yeah. 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 So that bubble burst and it was like, Ooh, it was messy and, Whatever, but then when it you know rebounded yeah. by, I mean the er, er, early mid two thousands, it's like oh four oh five. I feel like things were like kind of back, mm-hmm. maybe even a little earlier than that. Things got back on track, and it hasn't slowed down since. So, no. what what was it like in the early days? I know you were around from some really big deals, and what is it yeah. like now? Yeah, well, um, back in in ninety six, you know, to ninety nine, um, it was. You know, it, it just got crazy. You know, it, the the acceleration of of, um, of 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 companies that were being formed and the the pace and and it was was just it was exhilarating, right? It still is. Um, right. But but you know, everybody was just like you know the 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 venture community was just like let's throw money at it and like you'd go to these parties and I didn't go to a ton of them, but some of them I heard about and it was just like, people were just spending money. Like it was going out of style. Yeah. And I remember going um, to a meet, uh, to a meeting and I don't know if you know that the, the, the big chair at the time was like a, a Herman Miller Aeron chair. Right. Huh. Yeah. And there's really nice chairs, but they're like, I think they were like a thousand dollars pop. Right. Yep. Back, I remember those. back in 96. And, and I'm like, I went into this meeting and this, these people had this really nice, this company had really nice offices and they had, it was all I saw was the sea of air on chairs. There have to be a hundred thousand dollars worth of air on chairs. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, like this is a startup. Right. right. Like just what they were spending money on. And so, so, so there, so I guess there's two things. It's like, it's like one thing, how has it stayed the same and then how has it changed? So first I, it, it's, it's still seen and, and remains like the land of opportunity, right? Especially now that the barrier to entry is, 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 is low. So, so what I'll talk about, like, is how it stays, this has, how's it, how it stays the same is that you get really passionate people that want to deliver amazing products and services to people. Right. Right. And each of those people may have different reasons for wanting to do that. Some may see it as an end. 
some may see it as a as a stepping stone to fame or wealth but at the end of the day like they want to build something great right, right. and some people want to you know build it and flip it and sell it and then other people want to just build the next billion dollar company so they can be the next Steve Jobs um right. or 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 Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg um you know I wish I could think of more women's names to throw into that list um yeah. so there's some things that still remain <laughs> right. the same right exactly <laughs> right and exactly. That, 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 not necessarily you know the the best the the, the best things um uh, but so that passion, that drive, that that work ethic, that we can do mentality, I feel has still stayed the same. Um, and that's the core essence. Super smart people working on really hard problems. And and um, and, you know, I still think, you know, it, 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 people here in Silicon Valley, I think the motto is if you're going to fail, fail quickly. Yeah. Right. Because there's opportunity cost in and pushing a rock up a hill that just won't fly, right? And so yeah. the whole thing is, is like, okay, and that's where you get the pivots, right? You'll get, oh, well, I'm working on this, but, you know, well, we made this really cool thing. I'm on a game company, and then we've made this really cool instant messaging type of thing. And so why don't we just, you know, maybe, and everyone's using it. People are asking if they could use it. Oh, that's Slack. Right. Right. It's just like smart people. And they realize, oh, the problem that we were looking to solve is either we're too early or there's no product market fit or all these things. And then they like, oh, we found something that works and people like and boom, we do that. Right. And so you right, get, you right, get right. the slacks of the world. So how has it changed? Um, it, it, it's changed in a way, I think, since 90, the early, you know, the late 90s, in that I think there's more discipline. Um, I think that that like as far as in the investing side. I think people are throwing money at. And so, but it's like probably kind of like a sine wave, right? Where you had all this money coming in and then you had the bust, right? So boom. So the, it's like the sine wave that kind of starts high and then comes down. Yeah. And then, but now we're getting to the point where are we in the same spot again? Like where, where it's just, there's more, you know, there's all this money chasing, you know, you know, there's, you know, I don't know if there's like more good companies now than there were right. before, but I definitely think there's more. Um, <laughs> I think uh, you and I talked once before, like you had pets.com. And I think the business <laughs> model is like, we're going to lose, we're going to lose money on everything, but we're going to make it up in volume. Uh, you know, every sale. That, just, yeah. So anybody out there that's a pets.com person, I, I just use that as an example. It's probably not exactly true what their business model was. Um, right. But, uh, but Yeah. But also the barrier to entry, and this is like, and that, 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 that DNA, that can-do attitude is spread across the world, right? Yeah. And, and with it, it's interesting, is that the barrier to entry has never been lower, yeah. right? In other words, there's the no-code movement, there's the low-code movement, there's, you know, sh I mean, if you wanted to set up, I mean, somebody right now can sign up for Shopify, and if they have a good product or, you yeah. know, they can be, I mean, maybe the next Amazon is a stretch, right? Right. But you can go in and just start an e-commerce company. Absolutely. Right? I mean, you've got like, you know, Stripe and you've got um, uh, Square to handle payments. I mean, the whole, this infrastructure is there. So, so if you look at, at, at startups as art, like everyone can have an easel, 
right now. Yeah. Right. So really it's about, it's about creativity, understanding yep. markets and, and, and execution. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, so that's, it's amazing right now. So the barrier yeah. entry is much lower now than it was As before. I, I'd say in, in business and, and, and marketing, like, you know, big in marketing, not like, you know, a lot of times people think marketing is just advertising. Yeah. Marketing is all the things that go with your go-to-market strategy. It's about creating and capturing value. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's two halves of it. There's the create value part and then there's the capture value part. Yeah. And the tools that now exist um, has made it easier to capture value. Mm-hmm. So now I think the, the big variable for entrepreneurs, like you need to figure out, do you have a worthwhile product that people are willing to pay for? Yeah. Like, are you creating actual value? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause before, like we think a lot of the big game too, especially in tech was, we have no way to monetize this thing, but we're going to aggregate all of these people on here and then figure out how to monetize those, these people later in some other way. Yeah. And the pe- the people in and of itself aggregated on the platform. That was the business model. And then you exit and you sell the, you know, 15 million subscribers that you aggregated through mm-hmm. your app or whatever it may be. Yeah. But now it's like, people need to come up with a way to actually create value and, and, mm-hmm. and monetize those folks. And if you have an idea that's worth paying for, you then have the Shopify to yeah. get out there and you have, you know, TikTokers come out of left field and super topical yeah. right now for other reasons, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have Instagram, you know, so on and so forth. But Facebook is, is, is not, you know, I know, I know they own Instagram, but it's, it's become a different platform. It, it is now owned by the paid advertisers. You mm-hmm. know, like it's, it's no longer, something for uh, people to be able to hack growth on for free or at least not organically. But um, there are so many ways in which you can go about building your business up now to actual tools to help you capture value. Your job really needs to be about creating value. And so exactly. Yeah. That Um, is, that is a big, that is a big, big swing. But But look at your your podcast, right? Yeah. Your podcast now, right? I mean, think about like, 90 like let's say the 80s like (laughs) right i mean you have to like to get your voice out you would have to like start a magazine company or maybe you could do pamphlets but how many pamphlets would people get to right Right. and so i'm fascinated another thing that's also changed is that from you, you now there's roadmaps of how to build successful companies in silicon valley where before you just didn't have the sample size. Like no one knew how to build a SaaS company because it wasn't a SaaS company, right? Right. And but now you've got these whole ecosystems around learning. I mean, you can yeah. go on and listen to the best people in pricing give a talk about pricing of a particular niche product because they've got a podcast that they're using to um, to promote their business or their service. Right? Absolutely. And so all of a sudden it's just like, and also just, just email and Twitter. If you, if, you know, you, you, you can direct, you know, look, if you have something to say, you know, and you post it and people are like, Oh wow. Like this person's intelligent. This person has good ideas. Instantly you may, you know, all of a sudden get a follower that is influential and they may retweet something that, so that that's also something that, 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 that the channels of growth, are much different, right? Before it was just spending a bunch of money on, on, you know, on, on ads. 
right? And now right. it's you, you, the real, the best marketers, as you know, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mix of old school and, and, and new school uh, mm-hmm. to, get you, to get your job done. And those are the people that succeed. And, you know, this, like, it's amazing because, like, you know, when I want to know kind of what's happening, I talk to my 16-year-old. Right. Because right. he'll tell me like, oh, like, you know, I didn't know anything about fiber. He's like, oh, have you thought about like my wife and I had, you know, uh, something to do and um, around another business that we're working on. And he's like, you know, well, have you tried fiber? And I'm like, what's fiber? Right. Yeah. What's and, fiber? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, oh, you mean fiber? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. And yeah. so these kids are growing up with with these voices that they can amplify. You know, you know, another thing, I mean, we won't get into politics, but the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Yeah. And, and you see these kids, and, and, and they're, they're leading the way, right? Absolutely. You know, because they have the tools to organize, because they know how to use social media. They know how to get people organized quickly and moved around. And, yep. and it, so, so that, I mean, I know that's, not, that's beyond Silicon Valley, but it's, 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 it's it's uh, it's enabled it's by it though. Quite yeah. honestly, like yeah. it's it's enabled by Silicon Valley. I remember one of the deepest things, you know, and it's 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 a perfect uh, parallel to like Silicon Valley and the fact that the barriers have been removed and how it showed up in politics. Like, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, the the lifeblood of the Arab Spring mm-hmm. was Twitter. Yes, yeah, you know, like it was it was built on the back of. The, the Twitter platform, so mm-hmm. you know it all makes sense. But now, all right, we've, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at the time, and I know I need to be mindful of your time. Sure, I cannot. We have we have to get back and understand like how you became you. You just didn't like roll out of bed and become like this, you know, badass lawyer that's working on deals to get Steve Jobs back in the back in the Apple, and you're working on deals to you know, help launch the next unicorn company in Silicon Valley. Like where, where are you from? Like, where, where did you grow up? Like what was Uh, your childhood like? Yeah. Wow. So that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, that's the magic sauce, you know, like being, being blunt, like people just, people think that black men get to do, they they come from a a few molds and we're so much more nuanced and complicated than that. But like, you're either like, the the thug, you're <laughs> the yeah. athlete, you're the entertainer, or they they put us in this fourth bucket of like, you're the sellout that wishes you were white and have no connections to the community, and it's like it's bullshit. Like we we're, we're so yeah. many different things, and mm-hmm. we have these these complicated journeys to become who we become. Yeah, and so. I like to understand like how people, like how you became you. Like, yeah. I know you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. No, no. <laughs> yeah. It was, it had, I had a spoon and it was a loving spoon, <laughs> but it wasn't silver. <laughs> um, so, so like, you know, basically born in, 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 in Harlem, Morningside Heights, uh, Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, um, you know, basically right on the Hudson River, uh, right by the George Washington Bridge. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my, my, um, my, my family unit was my mom, Helen, and my grandmother, Roberta, and my grandfather, Darnley. And I was um, my grandparents' first grandkid. And my mom and I lived with, with them. 
And um, as I mentioned earlier, like, you know, we didn't have a lot. I mean, you know, we weren't rich, but I don't, I, I mean, maybe we were poor, but I never knew it. <laughs> right. Right. And um, just, you know, amazing support, amazing, amazing support. And what I remember the very early on is like my mom and everybody, my, you know, my, my grandparents always telling me, um, well, more, more my mom, I think, because um, my grandparents, you know, came from a different age. Right. Where, where black people didn't have the opportunities that like you and I have now right. by, by far. Right. Yeah. You know, just, just, just like, just like, you know, this, yep. you know, full stop. No, you're, you look like this, this, you can't do that. Right. Absolutely. You know? And, um, and so my mom was always telling me you can do anything that you want. Like you just, like you can do anything. And I took it to heart. Right. I mean, so just like your mom yeah. tells you like, you know, and yeah. so, so that was amazing. And then, and then, um, one of the other big inflection points, you know, well, before I forget, so my, my, also my grandfather was just my biggest influence. I, I I'd call him my bubby, um, yeah. for buddy. Cause I couldn't pronounce buddy correct. You know, <laughs> I couldn't get my consonants right. right. And, 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 and he opened the world up to me. Like he made it so that the world was my oyster. So I remember my earliest memories as a child where he and I would take the A train, um, you know, downtown and we would go to Staten Island, uh, take the, the ferry, just not to go to Staten Island and get off, just to go on a ride, right? Um, you know, he'd lift me up so I could see out as the train went down the tracks and, you know, the Hayden Planetarium and the, and the um, uh, Museum of Natural History and the Central Park Zoo and right. my first baseball game and Mets game, like, I mean, you know, we would go walking around the rocks right next to the um, Audubon Ballroom where, where Malcolm X was assassinated, right? Because we're right in Harlem, right? Right. And, and just remember just basically being like, wow, like the world's a big place. And like, I've got this, my buddy here is showing it to me. Yeah. And, 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 and just the level of, he was retired. So he got to spend a ton of time with me. I am still reaping the benefits of that. Now. Right. It's invaluable right. to be able to, get kids because kids are we're we're, we're hardwired yeah. for like we're 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 resilient yeah you know it's like when we're, when we're born and we get here it's like we're we're flexible we're agile we're able to overcome and i think we oftentimes want to like shelter kids with like no kids are super resilient one but then two if you're born into you know uh less advantageous economic situation or really i guess the point i'm making right now people out there who are responsible for young people whether they're your kids your aunt your uncle whatever it may be yeah. you have a younger sibling get them out and about and let them see stuff because it literally changes it's their perception of the world yeah it's that's awesome yeah and 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 so you know and and, and you know i mean you know kind of you know kind of the theme of 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 um you know um just nurturing and 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 my 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 biological father wasn't around and yeah. and 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 i guess at one point like my mom asked my mother does david ever ask about him and my mom's like no i mean and we're like you know at the time like we were you know we're still like living together 
And, and she's like, no. <laughs> and right. they made it so that there was so much love. I never felt that I was missing anything. And I never knew him. So I didn't know he was gone. Right. right. And, 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 and so and so that's kind of like that, I feel, is like, you know, that love and, and, and compassion and that like, hey, we're going to support David um, made like made the world a difference, made it who I am. You know, I am today. If you to take one thing I've ever done. You know, that would be it and having them having them as my mother and my my grandparents so i got lucky right I mean, yeah yeah <laughs> right? no right? that's not it. something i can take um, you know so so fast forward my mom um uh, my uncle is a little bit older than my my mom he was in the navy and and he got stationed in uh in in vallejo california at mare island which then was an active naval base um and so we um my mom and i moved out to california for uh for a year so my i did i attended kindergarten in vallejo that was probably <laughs> other thing that really changed my life because i was in love and still am in love with california right. and um it's a special place uh, i mean i just loved even as a kid how it smelled i think right. there's like i forget the thing i don't know if it's fennel or something like that but that like that was the california smell to me um and so spent the year here loved it you know riding my bike around and just you know it was just an amazing amazing experience um and then my mom had met somebody before we had left new york um and so we went back because she wanted to pursue this relationship um i remember getting in the we're packing up to get in the car she had a, a brown 1971 nova and we're packing it back up as we drove out, right, in the Nova. Right. We're driving right. back. I remember looking up, to it, looking up at her because I was not happy about leaving California. And I looked, right. up, looked her up and I said, as soon as I'm old enough, I'm coming back. And then I got in the car. And, <laughs> and, and, so, um, and so, yeah. So but that it, says a lot about you. Like you, as, how old were you at the time? Oh, at kindergarten, that has right. to be yeah, yeah. what six ish. Yeah, six. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's 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 really impressive. Like that clarity. Oh, I just I I loved it. Like I was just like because yeah. I mean I mean I mean I mean not not to take anything away from Harlem, but like right. I grew up and you looked around and there were just buildings and you know everywhere. And, you know, and we would go down on the Hudson River and then there'd be some open space or Central Park and there'd be some open space. I got to California and the whole place was open space to me. Right. Right. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. you know, I remember seeing, you know, like, you know, so many trees and all of this. And so so we go back and, 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 you know, that was another inflection point because, I mean, my mom, the person that she was in a relate wanted to be in a relationship with and then wound up being in a relationship with for a long time. You know, let's just say he and I did not get along. Right. Um, and so that led me to kind of um, when I was 12 years old, um, I actually moved out of out of my house and into my my my, pop, my grandfather had passed away. Um, I think I was about 11, 11, 10 or 11 when he passed away. And um, my grandmother came to live in New Jersey where my mom, my stepsister and my stepfather lived. And, and she lived right across the street. And my stepfather and I were just butting heads all the time. And I'm like, one of us is going to wind up dead. Right? right. Like, I just, like, I mean, I'm not a violent guy, but I was just yeah. like, one of us, it's just going to come to a head. He's going to hurt me. I'm going to hurt him. And I'm, just, I'm 12. 
And I'm thinking about things I shouldn't be thinking about when I'm 12. Right. Yeah. And, um, or 11 and and stuff. And so I wind up moving, moving out, uh, moving into my grandmother's house. And we lived in a studio apartment uh, across the street in a nice neighborhood. You know, I mean, you know, I grew up, you know, middle class, I think, you know, um, um, for some of the things that my, you know, you know, like my, 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 my stepfather, you know, did um, for, you know, make money. We won't get into that, but right. <laughs> that's exactly. a whole other story. Yeah, but, um, exactly. but, but, but during that time, right around when I was 12, I discovered um, a sport called bicycle motocross. And, and it's basically like you, you ride a bike over these, you know, it's a sprint, it's about 30, 40 seconds uh, over these jumps and berm turns and everything like that. And I had this bicycle that I had and I'd, I'd go through bikes like crazy. I'd always break them. And my stepfather <laughs> at some point said, I'm not buying you any more bikes. I'm like, fine. And, um, and then I had this one bike that it was a Ross Apollo and it's basically something you'd buy at like a, like a, a Kmart. Right. So it's yeah. probably not the best quality bike. One day right. I was riding, it was wet. When the brakes are wet, the brakes don't work very well because they were hand yep. brakes and I hit a wall going pretty fast. Didn't really hurt myself, but the bike bent the forks in. Wow. So all of a sudden I have this bike um, on, a, on a terrace that I'm not riding for a while told a buddy of mine, hey, you know, my bike, I can't ride it. He's like, oh, just why don't you just turn the fork around and then run it into the wall the other way and it'll straighten it it out, bend it back. I'm like, oh, that's genius. Right? (laughs) So I'm riding around on this bike one day and all of a sudden I remember I'm going down Park Avenue in in Guttenberg, New Jersey and the front, front fork flies off because the head tube, the steer had just gotten kinked. And right. so, right, you bend the metal back and forth a couple of times, it's going to break. And it broke. Bearings everywhere and everything. So I go up, you know, my mom, I'm like, hey, mom, can you take me to the bike shop to get this bike fixed? I go in and there's all, I walk into the, this bicycle shop, James Vincent Bicycles, um, and in, um, in North Bergen, New Jersey. And there's all these bike frames and wheels and handlebars and multicolored grips and seats and seat posts. Basically, what it was was that at that time, because BMX was an emerging sport, this was the early, like the um, what the early, late seventies, and um, you had to build your own bike, right? Uh. You, you couldn't go in and just go in and buy a complete bike. So, so what you had to do is you had to be a product manager and you have a budget. Right. And you'd be like, I need to build this. And so they hand you a sheet of paper that just said frame, fork, handlebars, tires, rims, spoke. I mean, it was that that down to that level. Right. Right. The spokes that you wanted, all this. I mean, you could buy a a complete wheel, but but, you know, and and so I remember because I'm frugal, I I built the least (laughs) least expensive bike ever. It was a CYC Stormer with like, you know, Astrobula fork because it was the least expensive fork. And as I learned about the sport, what I did was this was like that big inflection point. I read about the sport for a year before I ever competed. And, and, and I, I set goals. And, and, and I went from a kid who didn't have a bike. I wound up buying a bicycle with my own money that I had made from dog walking and newspaper routes. And, and I bought my own bike. And... I went from not having a bike to having all these great relationships through cycling that still to this day, 
my best friend in the world is somebody who I met riding my bike when I was 12. And so it's, just I'm amazing. Hearing, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm just hearing this really deep metaphor yeah. of what the bike, like is this vehicle, right? It's yeah. literally this vehicle. And you went on these adventures with it. But also it seems like it, it took you away from what could have been oh. this very negative situation to where it's, it became your escape, right? Yeah. As you, I, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if it's overstating it, but I felt like it. I mean, I look back on it and maybe it's overstating it to say that the bike saved my life. Mm-hmm. But, I think it's, I, but it, yeah. it's not far off. I wouldn't have the life I did because what it did is, like you said, you latched onto it. It told me that the experience I had through cycling, because I wasn't very good when I started, right? I had these goals that I wanted to beat. Like, I remember this kid named Richie Anderson. He was from Vallejo. And for, you know, like funny that I lived there. And he was the, they do it by age group. So he was the national number one. Like when I started finally racing, it was like I was 12. So 12 or 13 year old. And like, and I read these magazines. Literally, I'd read the, 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 I'd, I'd read the covers off of them. Like right. I, I, I literally like they'd come and I didn't, the cover would fall off and then I'd be down to the next sheet of paper and then that would right, fall right. off. And I carried these things around. Like they were my, like, like, I mean, I don't want to equate it, but they were like my Bible, right? They were yeah. like my lifeline. And I set all these goals. And, and I remember, you know, like going and racing and like, you know, you, you get the kind of dynamics and I wasn't the best, but I, I knew I worked the hardest. Like I'd be out there in, in a snowstorm riding my bike up and down a hill. And, right. and, and I remember like adults looking at me and one guy, I remember his name was Frank Cagrono. And I, you know, he said something and he goes, you know, you're going to make it right. And I had yeah. no idea why. And I realized like I was out doing sprints at a, at a field when it was 20 degrees out riding around a track field, doing like hundred yard sprints and right. with a parka on. And, yep. and, 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 but, but that's just because I knew what my goals were. So, so you're exactly right. The, 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 um, the cycling gave me community. It taught me how to set goals. It taught me how to work to meet those goals. And most importantly, like you said, it gave me a metaphor because I went on to, from the kid who didn't have a bike to race the sport professionally and become one of the best, you know, at the world at it. Like I remember going through like, you know, I'm like I'm probably one of the best eight people in the world at this. Right? right. And once you have that belief and you know that, that, that system of what works for you and how you can succeed, um, it's powerful. Cause then you say, I can do anything now. Right. Right. You know, cause I, I, you know, I, I, I can do it. So that's, so yeah. that's, that's, a, that's amazing, man. And so you, you ride, you ride your bike up out of, you know, your, your adolescence and what you were dealing with trying to, you know, become, become a young man in New York and you end up going off to college. Yeah. So t- tell me, tell me about what that was also about like, the bike. Yeah. So tell, tell me where you went to college, how the bike got you there. And Oh uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so I was racing um, at, on an, at a national level um, as, as a professional. And so basically California was the place to be. And obviously, you knew it was pulling at my heartstrings ever since yep. I left Vallejo. And <laughs> right. so, um, so uh, I saved up some money 
worked worked in the garment industry in New York at a friend's dress manufacturer, worked at a bike shop, saved up some money, borrowed some money, and then moved out to um, to Southern Cal. Didn't know the difference between Cal State LA or UCLA. Um, <laughs> didn't bring enough money. I, I, I picked Cal State Dominguez Hills because I liked the tree. But, you know, the one tree I think that they had on the, you know, like the, the brochure, I'm like, oh, that's a nice place. And just didn't, my, my mom and my dad never went to, my, my stepfather didn't go to college. I really didn't leverage my networks. I knew that's what, you know, to, to know like what to do. And I guess, you know, my, my guidance counselor probably dropped the ball a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But, or I just was too interested in my bike. And, um, and basically I started a community college. Like I said, I came out, I had to pay out of state tuition, didn't bring enough money. I mean, I just didn't diligence it correctly. Yeah. Um, and uh, went to community college, best thing ever. Um, really enjoyed that. I liked that. I went to Citrus College first. Um, couldn't afford the second semester because I was out of state. You know, I'm, I'm working at Kinney Shoes, you know, right. to make ends meet, then at bike shops. Um, yeah. And then I don't know up- if they had Kinney Shoes on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, Kinney Shoes and Payless, for whatever reason, they always were neighbors in the same yeah. strip mall and th- th- these, these are not high-end shoes yeah no 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 so I'm, I'm selling these shoes and um i don't even think it was commission i think it just like you know i think i was like was, i was doing the stock wall right yeah. you know stuff like that and then um and then from there um uh, my next semester i went to mount sac home of the mount sac relays for any of the track fans out there um and then um uh, you know, got my footing, you know, I was doing really, really well at community college. Um, and then I had to figure out where I was going to go. And once again, you know, I didn't really know. I knew Stanford. I mean, sorry, I didn't even know about Stanford. I knew Berkeley. Um, and, um, and that was really about it. The only school uh, that I knew. And then I asked around and somebody said, Hey, have you thought about the Claremont colleges? I'm like, where are those? What are those who I've never heard of it? I'm an East coast kid. Um, and, um, and one of my professors was like, hey, um, you know, have you thought about Pomona College? And this was after like somebody else at a bike race said, oh, I went to Claremont McKenna. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll think about going there. Right. <laughs> I mean, just kind of like, you know, like my life has in a way been like that, 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 um, that feather at the beginning of Forrest Gump. Right. Right. You know, like, right. oh, you yeah. kind of go this way. And um, uh, or some dog millionaire, like we just happen to have the right answer at the right time. Um, <laughs> right, right. And uh, yeah. And um, so I wound up going to Claremont. Um, I remember I got into Berkeley, two schools I applied to. I applied to Berkeley and Claire, um, so into Pomona College and yep. um, wound up going to Pomona and uh, having a great experience. I, I had um, some experiences where I knew that I liked the smaller classrooms and I went to, um, at one point in time, to a lecture at UC Irvine, and there was like four, 400 people in a, in a, like a stadium-type seating. And I'm like, I just, I'm not going to learn like this. Right, um, right, right. And then Pomona was fantastic. You know, um, I, I got to know all my professors, um, you know, the class size. I think the biggest class I ever had there was maybe 50 people, and it was like a survey of, you know, of the, you could enroll from different, the different colleges, Right. So it was like a, I think, a, a class that, uh, you know, about like race and politics. And that was like the biggest class I ever had. Most of the classes were like 10 people, 20 people the whole time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then went on to law school, went on to NYU for law school after that. I wasn't sure I was going to be a, uh, a lawyer. 
Um, I just looked around and it seemed like a lot of people that were running the world were lawyers. Uh, and uh, I had this one professor named Lauren Foster and he's like, Mr. Campbell, um, <laughs> you know, so what are you going to do now? Are you going to go on and get a PhD and become a professor or go to law school? And that's the, those are the choices that he kind of laid out for me. Right. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, other than riding my bike, I don't know if I know a, know enough about or want to know any like enough to like go for a PhD. Like right. now, I look back and I'm like, that would have been a pretty good gig. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I wound up going to law school, and then you know that's kind of we picked up where I learned about um, you know learned about uh, um, Wilson Sonsini when I was there. Um, I think you and I talked about it once before where, you know, I, I found out what I wanted to do, like, but I was going into my third year of law school. Right. So I like, once again, I didn't have the best, I'm not a planner. Right. So, yeah. So, um, I already had a, um, a job offer from, uh, Wilkie Farr and Gallier, which we discussed earlier, where, where Mario Cuomo was a partner and they were just wonderful people, but I realized I really wanted to be in California and um and i so i remember you know talking about netscape so i said well i wonder who works on netscape's deals and so i looked at the prospectus of the netscape ipo and sure enough wilson Sassini represented netscape and so i'm like that's where i that's where i'm gonna i want to work and so we have early interview week at uh at, at nyu and so I had signed up for all of these different um, things, but I really, you know, really wanted to work at Wilson Sonsini. So I remember going into the interview, my grades were good, but they weren't going to separate me from the pack. Um, and I just remember, so, but I had this really great review from, from a, uh, an associate uh, at, at, at Wookiee Farr and Gallagher. And I remember walking in an interview and the person says, hey, you know, I remember the guy's name was Mark Partner and Mark Bonham. Uh, and Mark asked me, he's like, um, so can I have your grades? And I'm like, I didn't bring them. And he's looked at me like I was from another planet, but I go, right. and he had a pregnant pause where he's like, okay, I'm just going to ask this kid to leave. And I right. handed him the review and he looked at the review and read it, read the review and it was really glowing. And the person said like, he, she had never seen anyone work as hard as a summer associate. Cause it's usually like a party. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I, you know, said I had done good work and he, he sat down and once again about relationships, he listened. And I told him my story that I woke up on Saturday mornings watching CNET when it was a television show and not a website, right. right. About John C. Dvorak and how I knew about Mark Andreessen and, and, um, and uh, Jim Clark and Netscape. And I got a call back and, you know, the rest is history. But it was a bold move. And that's another thing you just have to be willing to do is make bold moves sometimes. That's so, and like, I think the, the biggest, I guess one of the biggest um, takeaways from your story is, is one, you, like, you don't let your present circumstance define you and you need to bust your ass and work yeah. and grind. Yeah. And there, there are oppressive forces that are out there. There are people going to try and block you. And like, like you showed up, you were out of state you didn't have enough money. And so instead of, you know, bitching and moaning and crying, you just like, Oh, I'm going to roll in junior college. This is what yeah. I, this is what I can do. Mm -hmm. And you kept working, working, working. And you ended up at, you know, the Pomona colleges were really prestigious schools. And then you went on to NYU for law school grinding. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's like putting that work. And then the other pieces having the, the audacity to ask for what you deserve. 
like knowing knowing what your worth is and then coming in and asking for it. So yeah, it's like, look, I may not grades are a metric of capability and intelligence. They're not the only metric. I don't have that, but what I do have is this review. I know you're gonna be expecting my grades, but I'm gonna give you this review. And you can tell me yes, you can tell me no. Yeah. And I'm gonna lean into my strengths and I'm gonna have the boldness to do that. And it's I mean it's it's worked out for you and it's like, you know, really impressive oh, and inspiring. Well, yeah. It's just you gotta find out where what your superpowers are. Yep. Right. And right. and then play to them. Yes. Yes, exactly. Right. You know, if you know, you always want to go in and I always tell my kids, it's just like it's the little things that count. It's the thank you notes. It's the, you know, sharing somebody with your passion. It's those leaning in and listening and rather than talking. And because those are the things that sometimes are rare and all, all things being equal, that's what's going to set you apart. And those are the things uh, you got to you know focus on. Absolutely. So uh, before I let you get out of here, I have, I have four quick questions I need to ask you. And the, the, the first of which is, you know, it, it all, it's like trying to model the behavior of like keeping, keeping your cool. So tell me a time in which uh, the proverbial they went low and you decided to go high and it ended up being in your best interest. Wow. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> As you and I discussed, this is the one that I've always had the hardest and looking at listening to your podcast. I'm like, what example do I have? Um, you know, the one example would be like I, I'd, I'd worked at a place uh, in the past and um, I felt that they could be doing better on on racial equality issues at the highest levels of the organization. And so when George Floyd was murdered and everyone was, you know, a lot of corporations and, and businesses were coming out with these full throated um statements about racial justice and, and equality, I went back and I looked to see who was in the leadership of this company and it hadn't changed. There was no more people that looked like me than when I left um, a long time before. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so I was just like, you know, like, I just felt like, like, you know, just, you know, just basically being like, how can you guys do this? Uh, you know, just, you know, should, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel that you're being honest and everything like that. And, and so what I, what I did was it took, took, took two weeks <laughs> or a week at least. And I, I, I wrote, I wrote the management a letter and, and it was, you know, it was to share my experience. And I mm. felt rather than being accusatory, right. I was trying to kind of use it as a teaching moment for right. one, it, it helped me because it was cathartic to kind of get that off my chest. But the other thing was, is the biggest thing was, is I felt that they needed to know that from someone who, you know, had the experience that I had, and it was my experience. I don't know. I can't, you know, impose my, what, what their intent was, but I just knew what my experience was. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and to, to make it so that people that look like me, i.e. black, wouldn't see these statements and be misled because I felt that unless they were looking to do um, really like look hard at like their organization and the, the management of the organization and what that management looked like, that they were doing a disservice to attorneys of color that would be going to work there. And, and, you know, and I, I was upset, but I realized that I had to really, 
write this letter in a way that wasn't um, it was got my 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 upsetness across, but that also was, hey, I'm doing this because I value the organization and the, the organization has a lot of power and you can do a lot of great things. But you need to look when you make those statements, you really got to be willing to do the work as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you make it about the impact you're trying to have for other people, not about your personal kind of like like vengeance or what exactly 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 like how how can i help how can my experience help someone else absolutely absolutely right right Uh, yeah that makes that makes perfect sense uh if you were to describe your journey in one word what would it be wow um i I perseverance i guess Mm. You know, um, there's a lot of things like we talked about relationships and everything, but it's really just really just willing to kind of, you know, kind of keep going kind of that 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 kind of that grit and the kind of believe in yourself. Um, you know, the the and I mean, perseverance in, in kind of all aspects. And I mean, that is is growth. Um, yep. and, and just really actually I think about it really pers- if it's not perseverance, I would say growth. Always yeah. be looking to grow. Well, um, you, you you can't have one without the other. Yeah, exactly. And then, but you know, but I would say growth because growth, you know, taught, that's education, that's listening, that's 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 working hard, right? Because your muscles don't get bigger and your brain doesn't get smarter unless you persevere, unless you mm-hmm. you're willing to yeah. put the time. And so, if you, I, I'd, I'd say growth, if you're always looking to grow. And you're going to have a wonderful life because you're going to look to grow your relationships. You're going to look to, you know, grow your knowledge. You're going to look to grow your impact. So I would, I would say grow. Awesome. Awesome. If you, when, when you look at, when you look at your life, mm-hmm. what's your definition of success? Other people don't have to agree with this definition. Yeah. It's like, how do you go about managing your life? Um, right now, success really is about, like it starts with my family, you know, and if they're happy and healthy, then everything else is gravy. Um, right. And then right on the heels of that, you know, lately is I'm just trying to find out how I can have a bigger impact and, and, and do more, do, do more, not just for my family, but beyond my family and, yeah. and using my voice. And it's, you know, um, that that's kind of my 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 success is 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 you know you know impact not only within my positive impact not only within my family um, but beyond um, because I, I've realized that you know, just like you've been unearthing these great stories of of people that without you and bootstraps I would never hear hear about. And, yeah. and if I, if somebody listens to this podcast and just says, Hey, Oh, Dave could do it, you know, right. then, then, then I can too. Or, you know, I, you know, uh, you know, someone who, you know, has something they can use as a metaphor, um, mm-hmm. then, and, and whatever it is, it could be swimming, it could be hopscotch, it could be whatever, but they right. can take that kernel and, and build off of that and grow off of that and use that to know that if you can shoot a basketball straight, into the hoop guess what it's because you've practiced and you've worked and you have a passion 
then right. you know you know and i'm just using that as the you know the, the stereotypical example of yeah of, of, well that what, was what, the what, 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 what black black you know with 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 black men right oh yeah so, yeah but there's a reason why you know the yeah. it, the the uh the the mba looks like it does and it's not because black people are any in, innately better at basketball but there's a lot of kids that grow up that 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 look at it and be like oh that person looks like me. I can do that. Yeah. Well, right? it saved it saved my life. It was my BMX racing for yeah. sure. Yeah. Playing, you know, pickup basketball. I remember, like, I I did some pretty good damage to my knees given how much I played on the blacktop. And mm. I mm-hmm. at one point, talking with my brother Anthony, we I was in my twenties, and I was like, yeah, man, it's like, you know, I kind of I kind of did a number on my knees with all the basketball I played, and he was like, yeah, but it probably also saved your life. Yeah. And I was like, true. <laughs> you know, what I mean? yeah. Because like, it, it, it definitely, it, it just occupied my time and gave me somewhere to focus all that energy and to compete and be really intense, but also still constructive as opposed to the other ways in which I would have been intense yeah. running it's, around it's, my... It's, it's, your, it's your sanctuary. Right? Absolutely. Right? And, 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 you know, that was for me, like my mom would always ask, like, you know, like any parent, this is like, you know, you know, like, oh, you know, I never wanted to drink. I never felt like I wanted to do drugs. I never smoked because yeah. it would have affected my bike riding. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. And I remember telling my mom, it's like, I don't need that stuff. Like my bike is my natural high. And she yep. still says that to me because I, you know, it, it was just that that thing that that, you know, that, and, and, and it goes back and I just got to throw this out like to my, my grandfather. My grandfather taught me to ride a bike. So his gifts are still giving in, a, in an amazing way, uh, even, that's, even, even today. That's, um, that's, so, that's so awesome and special. I'm glad that you have that living on inside of you. Um, and the, the, the last question I'll ask before you get out of here is like we catch a lot of hell everywhere we go as, as black men. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the looks, it's the clutching of the purse, it's the crossing the street. It's like, and it doesn't stop as we achieve different levels of education and different levels of income. Yeah. You know, I walk. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, you know, people still, when they, when they see me, they see a thug or an athlete or whatever, but they, but they don't see uh, as my character because um, of their own issues. Mm-hmm. That said, we catch a lot of hell as we walk through this world, yeah. but I still wouldn't change. I wouldn't give up being a black man for anything in the world. I love it. I yeah. love it. That is central to my identity. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you love the most about being a black man? Wow. I, it's, it's, it's that brotherhood, right? It's that, mm. it's that, it's, it's that shared experience, good and bad in, in totality. Right. Mm. In other words, you know, the example that I use is I don't think I've ever walked down a street and seen another black man and gave a head nod or, hey, you know, what's up and not had a response. Yeah. Right. Um, and just that, like, in you know, and that's like, you know, that's across income levels or you know, right. as much as you can tell by just somebody walking down the street. Right. And and uh, and and you just kind of give that head nod and it's just like it's kind of like, yeah, we're still here. Yep. Right. We're we're we're, yep. we're we're still here. And and 
that that level of shared experience without ever saying a word um yeah. it says 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 it says a lot and um and you know and and I, and I know that it's like i've gone down the street and there'll be people of other races that i give a hey how you doing and they just see right through me like yeah. they don't they don't acknowledge my existence for whatever reason either they're too busy they're scared they just don't think I'm like I, I'm less than them or they're just assholes. Um, yeah. But like, but you get, you, I would assume that, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, like black men have varying um, personalities and they have things that are on their mind that are, you know, that they're working through, but I've never had the experience where the person didn't take the time, no matter what was going on in their life to kind of acknowledge me yeah and vice yeah. versa yeah that that shared experience is it's real as palpable i think the opposite of the head nod is when i look up and i see someone from another culture they were already looking at me i felt their eyes on me i look up we lock eyes i nod hello and they just turn their head and refuse to acknowledge my mm -hmm. existence yeah receiving that every day Everywhere you go, even like I'm born and raised in California, as yeah. liberal and progressive as we are as a state, and we're, I think that California is so much better than most other states in terms of how just aggressive and I think violent the racism can be, mm -hmm. like overtly violent the racism can be. Yeah. Um, but it is still super racist. And I've gotten you know, those lookaways and the, and the clutch pushing and the locking of doors mm. like my whole life. And I continue to get them in yeah. very liberal Bay area. You yeah. Know? Um, but so that's, that's the, the, the negative end of it. Yeah. And it, it's the reason why the head not exists, which is that like, I see you and I recognize your humanity, yeah. you know, yeah. which is, which is a beautiful thing that we do get to share. And it makes, uh, it makes, you know, this, this whole, journey as a black man through this world just so much more rich and um enjoyable so yeah absolutely i i i am thrilled that you were able to make time out of your busy schedule to hop on bootstraps and to share your story um well, i can't wait for to having get, me on it's my pleasure i can't wait to get this out to the world and uh also man i can't wait to uh we can get together again and uh get, get in your backyard that, and hang out a, 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 absolutely I'm looking forward to it. I know that, that Pam and the kids would love to see you as well. So, uh, but I'm sure you and I'll be talking again soon. Indeed, my man. All right. Talk soon, brother. Okay. Take care now. Bye-bye.